I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What, look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps. And then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a thousand at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. I want you to imagine something. I want you to imagine hearing a cannon go off, knowing that cannon was aimed at you. It's loud. You know what comes after it. 
you do that thing where you kind of cringe and put your head down a little like you do in a parking garage, but it seems like it's about to hit the roof of your car. So you do the weird thing where you duck your head inside your car. You know what I'm talking about. That's what artillery cannon fire will force you to do. And you're just waiting now for the cannonball to hit. Instead of the cannonball hitting, you hear a thud right beside you. You look over and it's your friend's head. The cannonball shot at you. That is not something I made up. That's not something from Hollywood. That's something a real human being has experienced before. Think about that. Let us begin with one of the more famous sieges of all time, and shockingly, one that is actually not taught much, I've found, in American schools. The Siege of Malta. The Siege of Malta, well, I guess we should call it the Great Siege of Malta, because it's happened before this. It happened again after this. I'm almost positive there was even a siege of Malta in World War II, I believe. We're not talking about those. We're talking about the one that took place in the year 1565. It took place because the Knights of St. John, who were running Malta, were having some problems with the Ottoman Empire. Now, Why isn't it taught that much in schools here? There are a lot of reasons, but the Ottoman Empire is a big one. Now, I'm not going to do this thing where we pretend as if Americans are a bunch of bigots. We're not. Certainly not any worse than most of the countries on Earth. In fact, a lot better. But... The Ottoman Empire is simply not talked about much in school. Now, granted, I just went to a crappy public school, a government school. But remember, I've always loved history. I'm a history freak. I just soak it up as much as possible. I think we spent like half a day on the Ottoman Empire at one time. It's just not something we talk about. And the Ottoman Empire, I mean, it's... It's the Persian Empire after the Persians. The Ottoman Empire was big time, man, big time. The most powerful empire on earth. And I think, I think this is a Muslim thing. I think that's why government schools don't teach it that much. I I think it's a Muslim thing. And again, I don't think we're bigoted. We're just not a Muslim country. I know we have several Muslims here, but America is not a Muslim country. America is a Christian country. And Muslims, Islam, and Christianity have been at odds, well, since forever. Islam and Judaism have been at odds since forever. It's just one of those historic rivalries that, that, was, that existed long before the United States of America ever came to be and will exist long after we're gone. It's there. And I think there's something that something to it. 
But just know, as you've heard before, I've done shows on the Ottoman Empire, various parts of it, battles, sieges. I will do various others. I find it to be really, really fascinating. The religious aspect of it is very fascinating. And because you know I don't care about hurting anyone's feelings, we just dive right into that here. One thing you do need to know, pre-Siege of Malta is the fall of Constantinople, which we've brought up before on the show, and it is everything for you to understand what a big deal that was. Constantinople was the capital of the Byzantine Empire, also known as the Eastern Roman Empire, and it was... In the minds of many Christians in Europe, it was the capital of Christianity is what it was. This is an era where the thinking about religions and locations and armies and battles and power was different than our American way of thinking about it. These people constantly thought They were fighting for the Holy Land. Physically. They thought it was their duty to do so. God wants me to have this city. And the Muslims thought the same thing. God wants, my God wants me to have this city. Well, let's fight it out. And when you won, no matter what you did, Tactically or otherwise, especially in this era, you won and you thought that's because God blessed me and you lost because you're a scumbag sinner. And it was the same for the Muslims. Allah wants us to have this city. He doesn't want you to have the city. Oh, I lost? Oh, I must have committed a great sin or something. They viewed everything that took place as a spiritual battle Big time. Now, let's not make it too lofty in the eyes of the Muslims or the eyes of the Christians. There was still a ton of greed involved in basic things like shipping lanes, trade. You know how it goes. And oftentimes, it's not as if this only happens today. Oftentimes, you can cloak that in religion. Oh, we are Christians. I can't believe those dirty Muslims took Constantinople. We need to take that back for Jesus. And and the trading. The trading's nice, too. It doesn't hurt. And the Muslims are doing the same thing. Allah really wants us to have this. And look, if there's some wealth that comes with it, that's fine. Not that I care. It's about Allah. It's really about Allah. It's human nature. You and I do it, too, don't we? But the fall of Constantinople in 1453 is not a small thing. Not only for wealth reasons, in the eyes of Christians, in the minds of Christians, they feel like an evil, demonic force is about to finish off. Not not Europe is about to finish off Christianity, period. These Ottomans rose and rose quickly. They are intelligent. They are technologically advanced big time. The Ottoman siege weapons and knowledge of cannon fire, it was just, they were really, really good at this stuff. They had 
excellent scientists, excellent engineers. They almost seemed like they almost seemed like Rome way after Rome, and that they would just outthink you with certain things. Huge libraries. And it should be noted, and this is a weird thing to talk about, but we talk about everything, don't we? Very clean people. You see, this is an era where bathing wasn't always a huge priority. And oftentimes in Christian Europe, it just wasn't prioritized at all. But Islam has very strict, or at least they practiced, very strict bathing rules and cleanliness rules. That doesn't sound like anything. It sounds like everything when one-third of your city's dying from disease and one-third of theirs isn't. Big deal. Hang on. Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. Uncertainty. You know it's out there everywhere, don't you? I do too. You all remember what happened with that little stock market. What do we want to call it? A blip a few months ago when we all woke up and looked at our 401ks and our jaws dropped. That was a small one. You know there's a big one coming because there's always another big one coming. It's, it's inevitable. At some point in time, it will come. Now, you see what we're doing lately, printing money. You're hearing these rumors already about inflation, that ugly I word, interest rates possibly going up. You know, it's not the end of the world. It does mean, though, you have got to diversify now. Get a gold IRA from Gold Alliance. Go to goldalliance.com slash jesse. That's goldalliance.com slash jesse. You worked hard for that money. Keep it. Constantinople falls. Europe thinks Christianity is under attack. And honestly, it kind of was. We're not going to discount that. Islam and Christianity were at odds, are at odds. We're very much at odds at this point in time. Who's going to be running things around here? And remember how small the world was back then. We're talking Columbus just now discovering the new world. So the civilized world is relatively small. The Ottomans won it all. The Christians won it all too. Ottomans are winning this. And the Christians now, they feel like the end is near. You've seen the guy on the sidewalk, the end is near with the sign. That's an ominous feeling that is prevalent at this time because the Christian armies are simply not able to withstand Ottoman armies yet. They're not. Which brings us down to Malta. Now, I don't need you to look it up, although you can. You know, I always tell you a a visual helps a lot. 
but you know where Italy is, obviously. Everybody can see Italy. And everybody knows about the island of Sicily off the toe of the Italian boot. Just east of the Italian boot, there's that big island of Sicily. Now, just south of Sicily, you can actually see Malta from Sicily and vice versa. There is a tiny, tiny, tiny island that is its own nation today called Malta. It looks, if you do an image search of it, it looks gorgeous. It looks like the Caribbean. Blue waters, cool-looking buildings. It's very, very small, Chris. I want to say this may be way wrong. I want to say it's only about 20 miles across, I think. I mean, it's very, very small. That seems about right. It looks beautiful today, but it would have been a consi- it would have it would have been considered pretty desolate back then. You'll see how beautiful it looks, and oh, the water looks nice, but doesn't look like there's a lot of trees and stuff there. It just looks desolate. But picture this: when you're looking at it or picturing where that island is, do you think that might be an important location for shipping and trade? It's very very important for shipping and trade. There are some knights there. Like I said, the Knights of St. John. They're there. They're running the show in Malta. And let's not pretend as if the Christians at this point in time were just, you know, piously eating unleavened bread in the church as they prayed to Jesus while the while the violent evil Muslim hordes were pouring over Europe. This was an era of raiding and pillaging. The knights in Malta, well, they weren't online businessmen. They spent their time raiding Islamic villages and shipping. That's what they did for a living. Stealing things and kidnapping people. Kidnapping people for ransom. That's how they made their living. This was lucrative for a long time. You and I have a hard time wrapping our minds around that being accepted. But remember, that was accepted for a very long time. Remember when we talked about the American colonies? Really before they were colonies, how they would send American pilots, or pirates, I mean, American pilots, pirates over the Islamic world and steal from Muslims? And then bring all those goods back to America and were celebrated, not treated as criminals, celebrated. Yeah, screw those dirty Muslims. Thanks for the stuff. A way of life. A way of life for the Muslims, a way of life for the Christians. But there is a real danger there. You see, you're always going to accept in that time, you're going to accept a certain amount of loss from piracy and stealing and raiding. Because like I said, it's accepted. It's the way of life. Except sometimes it can get personal. That's the real danger in stealing things, right? In kidnapping things. What if you steal the wrong thing from the wrong guy? Or kidnap the wrong person from the wrong guy? The Ottoman Empire at this time is led by a man named Suleiman the Magnificent. They didn't call him that because he was a shrinking violet. Suleiman the Magnificent was big time, presiding over a very, very powerful empire. By now, unquestionably, 
the most powerful empire in the world by the year 1565. Owning Constantinople will help you do that, by the way. It's such an important shipping lane that you're, you're going to become fabulously wealthy off of it. The knights, while they're kidnapping and stealing, they end up kidnapping a nurse, which in general would not be the end of the world, except she's an Ottoman nurse. Okay, still not the end of the world, except it turns out she's the nurse to the daughter of Suleiman the Magnificent, a daughter he loved very, very, very much. And this lady was more than a nurse. She was essentially the daughter's mother, grandmother. Now he's upset. Now he's looking at you, Malta, and now he's coming. You've got about 6,000 fighting men in Malta. Suleiman begins to build up troops, ends up building up about 40,000 of these troops. And see, we forget what it's like to live in an era where you don't have a ton of intelligence lots of the time. And I'm talking about, you know, spying, intel. You just don't have a lot of it. And even when you have it, it's difficult to get it to and fro. Communication is much slower. Completely different mindset. So everybody is looking at this Muslim empire, the Ottomans, building up clearly an army to invade somewhere, and everybody's worried that it's coming to them. It's not as if you're putting out signs when you're the Ottomans, oh, no, no, we're going to Malta. You're watching the buildup with your spies, and you don't know where they're going. However, De Valette or Lavalette, he's the man in charge of Malta at this time, the knight. He suspects they're coming his way, so he begins to do the very, very smart thing. He sends the civilians away and begins to lay in supplies, food, Everything you need to fire off your cannons, rocks, stuff to make pitch, you know, burning oil, anything flammable he can get his hands on. He's stocking up because he only has 6,000 fighting men and there are 40,000 coming his way. By the way, as a quick side note, there were about 25,000 regular Ottoman troops and the rest of them were essentially pirates. So they actually don't know an exact number of how many they were. The Ottomans would use pirates on the high seas. He thinks they're coming, and lo and behold, they are. Now, I need to describe for you what the major port looks like. It's called Valletta to this day. If you'd like to have a great idea what I'm talking about, again, in, your, in a safe place in your car or on, at a computer or something, you can pull up Valletta, Malta now. On the northeastern part of Malta, there's a gigantic harbor. So in your mind, you need to do this. You need to draw a V in your mind. You have that V. Now you need to take the bottom point of that V and draw a straight line up from it. All right, so now you have a V with an extra line in the middle. You got it? Now just turn it, rotate it clockwise just a little so it's all facing northeast. That's what we're dealing with now. Hang on.
HomeTitleLock.com can save you, well, honestly, I was going to say money, and it can. I mean, if you catch the home title theft in time, there's a chance you can spend tens of thousands of dollars on legal fees and stop it. There's a chance at that. So I guess I was just going to say money, but the truth is this. HomeTitleLock.com can save you from getting evicted. That's the result of home title theft lots of the time. That's a loan taken out against your own because you didn't take it out. Does not matter. People have been evicted. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. Register your address right now. See if you're already a victim. While you're there, sign up. Get yourself 30 days free. HomeTitleLock.com, promo code RADIO. That's HomeTitleLock.com, promo code RADIO. Well, you have the V with the line in it. I know it got weird. Whatever. Got to explain things to you. Now, they land their 40,000 troops on Malta, and they are coming, but they don't land in that main harbor you've probably undoubtedly already looked up by now. They land at another safer place because there's a little fort They want to take first. I know you're all going to have the song stuck in your head when I tell you the name, but the fort is called St. Elmo. Yes, I know. Go ahead. Sing the chorus briefly first and get it out of the way because you're doing the same thing I did as soon as I figured it out. St. Elmo, it's only got about 600 dudes in it. It shouldn't be difficult for the Ottomans to take it at all. Their plan is to take it in four days, but it's one of those ones that's very much in the way, and they want to get it out of the way quickly. Except these people aren't dying, and they aren't going away, and sieges are all about preparation. The truth is, the guys on Malta were tough fighters. They sent away the women and children, which is always essential. Part of the reason sieges fall is you have people who can't fight using up your supplies of water and food. You can't deal with that. Plus, you're worried about that. Once they're all gone and it's just the fighting men, you're going to be just fine. Well, you'll be a lot better off than you were. And these guys are fortified, they're ready, they're prepared. They manage to keep a supply line open between the main fortifications and the tiny little St. Elmo fort. So remember I said it was supposed to take four days? Yeah, we're on like day 28 and they still can't get into this thing. 
Finally, the Ottomans managed to cut off the supply from the main fortifications to this fort. So they know it's going to fall, but these knights are just fighting like lions. They're using a 1500s version of a flamethrower. They're pouring hot oil on the Ottomans. It's just turning into this absolute nightmare. And the problem for the Ottomans is not only they haven't taken this fort yet. Remember what a siege generally comes down to. Time. You only have so much time. If you're, if you're under siege, you only have so much time. If you're sieging someone else... You only have so much time because you only have so many supplies. And depending on where you are, the weather is a changing. In Malta, once it starts to be August-ish, September-ish, we're talking storms, problems. You're going to have an issue. And this is, remember I said the island was fairly desolate? You're the Ottomans. You're very wealthy. You're fine. You landed with 40,000 troops, but it's still an island, and you have to feed 40,000 men three meals a day, plus cannonballs, plus powder, plus all. Are you seeing the issue now? You've got a time crunch, too. You don't have 28 days to take the tiny fort beforehand, and these guys simply won't die. Then... These guys at the St. Elmo Fort come up with one of the cooler siege things I've ever heard in my life. They come up with a fire hoop. This is after they've been cut off. A fire tire, a fire hoop. I've heard it called a fire roll. The first thing I, I read called it a fire roll. They took the metal strap that goes around a barrel. You can see an old wooden barrel in your mind, right? You know there's a metal strap around the top and the bottom of it. You see it? They would take off the metal strap. Wrap it in a rope, soak the rope in flammable liquid, let it dry, then do that time and time and time and time again until it's super thick. They then would light this tire, I'm going to call it a fire tire, on fire and roll it down the walls of the, of, the, of the fortifications and it would roll through the lines and you couldn't put the thing out because it's so flammable and it would just tear through these Ottoman troops who wore way too much clothing because that was simply their style and all their stuff would catch on fire. The Ottomans finally take St. Elmo. Oh, my gosh, I just made an accidental reference to St. Elmo's fire, Chris. I, I did full circle. They finally take St. Elmo, and the Muslims are upset. The Ottomans are very upset at this point in time, more upset with themselves than anything else. But you know how that usually goes when you finally take something. How many sieges have we talked about? And you're angry. So they... Decide they're going to take all the men they've killed. They're, remember, this is a religious conflict in their mind, too. They cut off their heads, which was an ex extreme affront to the Christians at that time. I, 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 maybe it still is at this time. I'm just not one of those people who cares what happens to my body once I'm dead. But at this time, that was very important. They cut off their heads, and they strapped them to crosses, even though they were dead. 
and threw them in the water, and the water carried them over to the main fortification. The Christians are furious, as you can imagine. Now, in the minds of the Christians, not only are the Muslim hordes coming to destroy Jesus and Christianity, now you're flat out mocking our religion while you did it. So the Maltese, they took all their prisoners and kidnapped guys, executed all of them, and remember the beginning of the show, cut off their heads, loaded their heads into cannons, and fired their heads into the Ottoman lines. Obviously extremely insulting to every side. And you do this if you're the guys on Malta for a couple reasons. One, little petty revenge feels good now and then, doesn't it? Two, when you do that, you're letting all your guys know. Uh, just a heads up, there's no surrender now. Now we've personally offended them. It's win or die. You've seen this in sieges before. Now, remember, sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Remember the fall of Carthage? We talked about this a long time ago during the Third Punic War when Rome was trying to wipe out Carthage completely. And Carthage, their general, I believe it was Hamilcar. I may have that wrong. This is after the age of Hannibal. I believe it was Hamilcar. I forget his name. But he hauled some of the Roman prisoners up on top of the walls of Carthage and tortured them in front of the Roman army for his own city's sake, just to let them all know there's no escape, win or die. It didn't work out very well for Carthage because when the Romans came in, they killed everybody and actually salted the earth behind them. So again, you got to be careful how often you're going to pull out that card, but they pull out that card here. Now we have fire hoops, we have cannons shooting heads, and it's getting ugly. And now there's one of the cooler war stories I've ever heard as far as many stories of a siege. They got to make a movie out of this. Hang on. I despise unexpected car bills, unexpected car repair bills. I hate them. I hate them. And you know what's terrible about it? And this is just, look, it's a facts of life. I've got to get used to it. You almost can't avoid them because they only make two kinds of cars, ones that have had problems and ones that will. I don't care how nice a car you get, brand new, certified, whatever it is, it's going to have a problem eventually and car problems cost a fortune. So get a car shield plan now and save yourself a whole lot of money. There's a reason they're America's number one auto protection company. They can save you tons of cash when the inevitable happens with your vehicle. You choose the mechanic. You choose the dealership. It's all on you. Go to carshield.com. That's carshield.com. And here's the best part. 
When you do that, if you use the promo code JESSE, save 10%. The Jesse Kelly Show. One of the cooler things I've heard about is just the image of what we're about to talk about. You know, they took St. Elmo, the Ottomans did. Now they're shipping some things across in order to go attack the main fortifications. Well, the Knights know they're coming, so they take these gigantic wooden stakes out into the water and they drive them into the ocean bed and then chain them together to prevent the ships from getting too close to the shore. Remember this, and remember this at this time, there are tiny little logistical things that can change everything. Many, many, many people in this era could not swim. That's a big deal. Now, if you're on an island, a smaller island like Malta, chances are probably real good you can swim. You would have grown up in or around the water, and that's just a basic survival thing. So I don't want to sit here and act like no one could swim. That's not true. But the chances are you could or couldn't. It is a good chance. And we know for a fact many of the Ottomans couldn't because at one point during this battle, they had nine ships sunk and lost a 1,000 troops who didn't get to fire a shot. They just went down and couldn't swim. Dead. So a tiny thing would be keep the ship out in the water. They chain together these stakes. The Ottomans see this. They're not blind. So they send men into the water with axes to go chop down the stakes. The knights see this. They have men stripped down naked except for their helmets and a knife which they kept between their teeth while they swam and the naked Christians with only a knife and a helmet swam out into the water and had a knife axe fight in the ocean with the Ottomans Tell me that's not the coolest thing you've ever seen in your life. I, they need That has to be in a movie. You'd probably have to blur out some parts, obviously, but that would be awesome. Here's something else cool. In Malta, they honor those knights to this day who went out and did it. And they, they were successful, I should, I should know. That's friggin' sweet. Now, during all this time, all this fighting... The incredible bravery and resolve of the Knights. Europe is watching. Understand that Europe, while they're always fighting each other, remember they were very, very worried about the Ottomans. So they start gathering up reinforcements. The Ottomans are now fighting time because of the weather, because of the supplies. They're fighting troop losses because the 40,000 troops ain't 40,000 troops anymore. And now the Europeans, they're coming up. 
with some extra troops for you, especially the Spaniards and the Italians. They're putting together a nice relief force. Things are looking worse and worse for the Ottomans. And there's just some blind luck sometimes. The Ottomans, trying to get under the fortifications, start digging tunnels. It's not like they invented this. Tunneling under fortifications was the norm back then. I think about this often. How scary and creepy and exciting that must have been to be digging a tunnel underneath. But remember, you don't have lasers. You're not shooting an azimuth back then. You're kind of just dead reckoning where you're at. We're pointing this direction, I think. We're this deep, I think. When you're digging a tunnel, you don't know how deep you are. So how you tell or how you try to tell is... You stick a stake up, up, not down, remember, and see how much ground you have above you. It's important that you don't stick your stake out all the way, though, because then the other side might see it. Lo and behold, dumb bad luck, the Ottomans tunneling stuck their stake up too far. The knights see it and now know there's a tunnel and they know where it's coming from. So get this. Tell me this wouldn't be sweet. The knights now start to dig a counter tunnel heading directly into the Ottoman tunnel. They run into each other on purpose, and they have a flamethrower war in a tunnel underneath the walls. That is so cool. (laughs) That's so cool. I don't care who you are. That's freaking cool. Now, Probably not fun if you're one of the actual guys on the ground. I don't think a flamethrower war would be very fun in any environment. Plus, think about the the quality of the flamethrower. A flamethrower is dangerous now because, let's be honest, you're walking around with a vat of flammable jelly on your back. Nobody wants to burn. Fire doesn't just scare you it scares everybody because burning hurts hang on One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. (gasps) Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. 
know what's cooler, Chris, the naked knife fight in the ocean or the tunnel flamethrower war? Either way, that's really cool. Just the counter tunnel thing is really cool. Sieges are so sweet and horrifying. I mean, they're sweet because I'm not there. Don't get me wrong. Either way, the Spanish and the Italians come up with a 10,000-man relief force. They land said relief force on the northern shore. The Ottomans now are starving. They take 10,000 men, which are about all they have left, and march them up there, and they get the living crap kicked out of them. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the Siege of Malta, celebrated to this day as a gigantic victory and a real turning of the tide moment that stopped the, the Ottoman slash Muslim advance throughout Europe. Now you know. Hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. The big reason so many people claim the failed siege of Malta was a tide-turning moment. And it very well may have been. When you look at how things went after that, I mean, it really did. It's not as if there weren't a bunch of Ottoman, Ottoman victories after this, but it really did stop the massive, rapid advancement. But why would a tiny little island relatively desolate why would it be such a tide turning moment expectations expectations really are everything aren't they perspective expectations setting the bar where you set the bar it's really everything isn't it If you have a goal in life of making $20,000 a year for your career, being able to afford off-brand Mountain Dew once a week, and eat Top Ramen three times a day, you can argue that's not a very lofty goal. Okay, that's fine, but however... You going to achieve your goal? Yeah. Yeah, you are. 100%. If your goal is to become president of the United States of America and a billionaire, well, 
Obviously, Trump pulled it off, but he's the only person in history to do that. It's going to be more difficult. You see this all the time. We're actually going to have a workout guy on this morning. We're going away from politics for one of my guests. You see this all the time with people who are trying to lose weight, get back in shape. I would have looked like uh, I would have looked like that movie. So I would look like Hugh Jackman in the Wolverine movies, bro. You're 375 pounds. You, you've you've eaten nothing but donuts for 10 years. It's awesome. You want to get back in shape. Why don't you just focus on 10 pounds? Then get another 10. Then another 10. You see what I mean? Everything's about expectations. Everything. I, people ask me, I get these emails all the time, why, why I'm so happy with, you know, radio and TV. What's the funnest part about it? It honestly, here's the funnest part about it because I never thought I'd ever be doing this for a living. I know several of my friends in the industry who are, they've been doing it for a long time, well-established, obviously not going to tell you any names and they are. Millionaires several times over. They are national figures. You know, I, I mean, we're talking two, three hundred stations in America. I mean, it's, I mean, TV shows, everything. People you would recognize. And what blows me away is I'll talk to them almost all the time. And they'll ask me how I'm, how it's going for me. And I'm, I'm saying, oh, are you kidding? It's great. This is awesome. It's so much fun. It's going really well. And I'll exchange that, obviously. How are you doing? What do you need? And they're almost always miserable. Oh, you're not going to believe this. I did. I got, I, I've been trying to get this station, and I didn't get it, and it sucks. And then this, this, this contract I'm working with, they won't do this for me, and it sucks, and everything sucks. And I don't relate to that at all. Why? Brother... I'm just happy to be here. I still have to pinch myself. They nationally syndicated my show. I was like, what? People wait 30 years and never get nationally syndicated. I did radio for less than two when they syndicated me. I didn't even think I'd, I was happy with a seven o'clock at night radio show with one hour. Now it's national three hours. Talking to you across the country and a TV show too. And I never in a million years thought I'd be doing that too. I'm thrilled. Other people have it all and they're miserable because of expectations, because everybody wants to be Rush Limbaugh or Tucker Carlson instead of just being you and being happy with who you are. Nothing wrong with ambition, but it's all about expectations. You need to prepare yourself for debate night tonight. You need to get your mind right for debate night tonight. This is why we have, I mean, look, we have Joe Biden. He's been giving us quotes like this for, I mean, gosh, since he started campaigning. That's why I made it a priority my entire career to work closely with you. From the time I got to the Senate 180 years ago, (laughs) you know, as well as my tenure. And we're listening to these. And look, I I could even play a Biden gaffe reel for you. I'm not going to. But we understand that Joe Biden has always had some flubs big time. 
That's gotten a lot worse as his backward slide mentally has gotten worse. You can see it physically. He looks ancient. He sounds ancient. He's boring. He's tired. And Donald Trump is so good on his feet. You've seen the speeches? Hour, hour and a half long speeches with nobody else. And he just rolls right along and looks like he could be up there forever. You know how hard it is to talk to yourself? Without, I mean, that's why so many uh, TV hosts, radio hosts have co-hosts with them. It gets hard to talk to yourself. It's different. To give a speech to yourself is hard for a long time. It's very hard. Trump makes it look easy. So Trump's up there making it look easy, screaming crowds. Ah, two hours, Donald Trump, he's the best. Joe Biden, I don't, I don't know. I've been in the Senate 180 years, and I, the, I forget the Pledge of Allegiance. And, and you're thinking to yourself, Trump is going to mop the floor with Biden tonight. Slow down on that. What we have tonight is quite possibly the moment that decides who wins the presidency. The first presidential debate is almost always the most watched. Remember, this debate is not for you. It's not for me. This debate is for the relatively non-political Rust Belt swing voter who voted for Barack Obama twice and then turned around and voted for Donald Trump. That person is going to tune in. They're not going to tune in for 90 minutes like you are. Like I am. That person is going to tune in for 10, 20, 30 minutes before they change the channel back over to some Netflix show they're watching and forget about it. And that person, very early on, is going to make judgments. And Joe Biden is going to perform a lot better than you think early on because of the drugs. They can do incredible medical things out there now if you have the money and access and the Democratic Party has the money and they have the access. Joe Biden, until the drugs wear off, is going to do fine. No, I don't think he's going to win. I don't think he's going to get up there and abuse Donald Trump. I think he'll do fine, but fine is good enough because everyone's expectations are that he's going to go up there, trip over his tongue three times, and have his eyeball fill up with blood. If Joe Biden even lives until the end of the debate, everyone will think, wow, he did really well, because expectations are low. Donald Trump is the one with a mountain to climb tonight. Everyone expects him to do well. Hang on. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Oh, that's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. 
just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.